This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello there, disaster divas, to all of you out there in self-isolation across the landscape. These are disastrous times, and I am your co-host, Jordan Gershiola. And I'm Amanda Smith. And we are coming at you via our Skype set up so we can all see one another even though we cannot be present with one another in these strange times and today we are convening over the airwaves to to sort of take it down a gear uh we're going to the made for tv delights of the black hole from 2006 starring christy swanson and judd nelson as quantum physicists? Who, science, science people. Science people uh, who are affiliated with, a, with the, I think it's literally called the, the Midwestern Quantum Research Laboratory, <laughs> where uh, experiments, an experiment has resulted in the creation of a black hole just outside of St. Louis. And, uh, you know, as if that weren't enough, along with that black hole, has come basically a predator, like the movie Predator, made of energy, that is causing its own kind of havoc as the black hole, and the two are connected, as the black hole threatening to swallow the whole of St. Louis is getting larger, and there's an energy transfer between the creature and the black hole. So obviously it's up to our scientists uh, and maybe a little bit of military intervention in there to stop a black hole on Earth. In St. Louis. Which, <laughs> one of the reasons this really is like has a warm spot in my heart, because I saw this years ago and I, I, it stuck with me, is because they're destroying like, why St. Louis? Why not? I why really love not? that they just chose that. They went with St. Louis. Maybe that's where they're doing that research. Because, you know, they cite the 1999. Um, at the, so the opening of it is yes. so great because you we'll have... Get little, we'll get a little preface title card there, giving us some yeah. background. In 1999, a panel of nuclear physicists discussed the possibility that a heavy ion collider experiment could result in the formation of a black hole. After an extended debate, the panel decided that such a scenario was not just highly unlikely, but impossible. And then the next title card is just, they were wrong. They were wrong. They just, were wrong. I love so much how bold this movie is. They're just like, nope, we're going to say that it's based in real science, but that the real <laughs> science was wrong. And I, I think that's such a bold move on their part. That's a really good clean slate. That is a yeah. real, like, take, hey, you know what you thought you knew? Guess what? It was all wrong. It's like, oh, especially. Well, I mean, they could, they didn't have to tell me that this was hypothetically discussed. Yeah. Because at no point did those nuclear physicists discuss whether or not a monster would also travel through the black hole and yeah. they have a symbiotic relationship. So it's not <laughs> as if we would ever find out about that. Like, I could have gone without having that little bit of information, but I love that they gave it to us. Yes. And this movie 
comes in hot. Like once we get that preface, we are in the Midwestern Quantum Research Laboratory and immediately there is some kind of explosion that causes a radiation leak and then this place is compromised and people go into in their like radiation hazmat suits uh scientists i think go in or maintenance people go into this um this like service cavern uh service corridor to go like see what the problem is and they encounter the predator and the reason i'm saying it's like the predator is because it's it, so it, much like the predator it is it is translucent like the whole time that we see it it is translucent like the predator in stealth mode and it is an electricity being that i thought was a real strength of this movie just for the sheer fact of the effect and having yeah. basically lightning cracking whenever it was on screen and i really liked the process of like when it killed people they like vaporized first into skeletons and then into particles. Yeah, no, it, it deconstructs them really elegantly. <laughs> it's not just like the the monster is not just a little bit like the predator. It's also bipedal. Yes, and it seems to have a very pronounced head shape. Like everything yeah. about it was, I was like, oh, you guys took sketches of predator and just were like, throw some electricity on it. We're good to go. Yeah. Make make it look crackly. But make I did. It I love crackly. I, I, I love every time that that monster is on screen because it's just destruction. And we get yeah. we get just the right amount of destruction every time. It wreaks havoc. It likes to eat humans. We don't know why. It just does. Yeah. Um, in a control, it, later on, the military gets called in and the predator monster, electricity monster, reappears. Yeah. And in a control room full of electrical components... <laughs> It goes for the humans. Yes. Um, who immediately try shooting it. Shooting it. They're like, oh, there's electricity coming out of the wall. I'm going to shoot it. One guy throws a chair at it, which I also really respected. <laughs> One guy just vomits on the floor. <laughs> One guy just vomits. Just and we get calls. a specific camera focus on him falling <laughs> on the floor and throwing up. Directly is, onto the floor. It was a very Lily Reinhardt vomit too. I, I heard her. I'm sorry. In my head as he threw up. And that, like that, I was like, you know what? Honestly, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I can't say that my body wouldn't react in panic and like I just have to suddenly throw up without control. Like, okay, I, you might I'm just panic vomit. Yeah, I was surprised we needed that coverage. That that was like something they were like. <laughs> We, we need to, okay, now do the setup for him throwing up on the floor. But it, it was a real, like you said, with somebody throwing a chair, people shooting the electricity monster. And it was funny because any, that scene, which happens kind of eventually, like a little bit down the line when the electricity monster is sort of gaining enough momentum to, to break containment in this facility. Anybody who's not directly engaging with the monster is like not calm, but not freaking out. Like, yeah. Judd Nelson and Christy Swanson are just kind of like present and watching it. Nope. They're not trying to run away. They're not screaming. And I felt like that was indicative to me of something I would call, if not a, I guess a shortcoming of this movie or just something that made me, made me pause, which was the, for a movie where the premise is a electricity alien is ravaging a city while that city is being consumed by a, land-bound black fucking hole, everybody's pretty calm. Yeah, 
like everybody is being really like I was saying to you before we started, it's kind of a hurry up and wait feeling, which it seems like if there was a black hole in the middle of Los Angeles (laughs) right now, I'd be going out of my goddamn mind. Yeah, it's there's definitely there's there's in a movie where a huge part of what the main heroes do is drive around in a van looking (laughs) at electricity lines. Yes, there's not a ton of narrative tension happening for sure. Uh, and like even you know there's the the black hole is being followed by a helicopter pilot who's pretty chill about the whole thing oh my god and also delivering like fairly incisive commentary yeah it's not long after the black hole swallows the research facility and starts like manifesting and expanding that like he looks down at he's like it appears to be a black hole yeah and it's like guys People in the movie Volcano couldn't Thank even you. identify <laughs> a volcano. And this news guy in a chopper just totally ID'd a black hole on Earth with no prompting. St. Louis, apparently, top shelf, hole. top shelf investigative journalists <laughs> ready for anything. I'm so glad you also remember, because, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, wait, this guy can figure out black holes for the volcano. Because that was also immediately where my mind went, was directly back to yep. Volcano and them not knowing about the the tar expanding and catching fire. Yes. This, yes. The tar is expanding and catching fire. Yeah. What is this goo bubbling up on fire from the surface of the, from the core of the earth? Oh, gosh, what could it be? But this guy's like, oh, yeah. shit, black hole. Black hole in the middle of St. Louis. I've been waiting my whole life for this. (laughs) Like, if I had been, if you showed me that, I'd be like, is that a smoke tornado? Like, I don't know, because it just kind (laughs) of looks, it's moving like a tornado. It's leaving a path of destruction in its wake like a tornado. It's very similar to a tornado, except it is. And he, and he fully describes a black hole. It's really impressive. And it was interesting. I don't think anybody in the, did anybody in this movie at any point, use the term event horizon? Or did they just keep saying the point of no return? Because the event, the event horizon being, you all are disaster divas out there, you, you probably already know this, but the event horizon being the threshold sort of a, around the black hole, the point at which after you pass it, escape velocity is impossible to achieve r- to try and get out. Like that is that is the point at which you are committed to your journey into the black hole there's no going back and they never it's such a great opportunity it's the yeah. only opportunity to say the very fucking cool words event horizon yeah. and i don't think they did it this entire movie and i was I like someone so. say it you're all scientists i think i think at some point she does mention that he's about to like reach the point where he no longer can escape, but he, yeah, he does she say just it but the she point of no return is that what it was because I, I can't and I literally just rewatched it and I don't remember um it didn't because it didn't jump out at me which I, I'm a little embarrassed by but you're right they didn't <laughs> well, I think they also, say singularity at some point like did they call it a singularity they might have called it a singularity or something they I, used some other term but they did I, not say I just one of my favorite movies all the time is Event yeah. Horizon which they incorporate like an event horizon moment into this movie when we get to our solution for how they're going to solve this problem. But so I know that my ears were perked up for like, oh, cool. Am I going to am I going to hear 
either Judd Nelson or Christy Swanson explain the event horizon to me in this movie. And they didn't give me that. And that was a real disappointment. I kind of think that's because, you know, there's like certain times where you're watching these movies and it's really fun to watch the actors say the words because it's like, if my dog started talking, <laughs> like they're saying these words the whole time. You're like, they just had to sound it out to you phonetically. And then you repeated it back. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of have the sense that given how little science moment, how few science moments there were in this movie, I kind of have the feeling they couldn't put the peanut butter on the roof of their mouths <laughs> to get them to make the words like event horizon and explain what an event horizon is. Right. I kind of suspect that that was that they could not get to that point. Now, I completely believe that because it's it, we have when we meet Christy Swanson, she's working in the lab. She's on this kind of, I guess, theoretical physicist team that has been working on this ion experiment. And when we meet Judd Nelson, who gets the emergency phone call after there's the, the facility has been compromised, he was working on this theoretical nuclear black hole team. But he seems to have. Uh, been disgraced off the team because he's become an alcoholic as a result of his divorce or separation divorce because he's lost he lost custody of his daughter at some point so yeah. it, it, somebody in i think Riker, the amazing military man in this movie uh played by david selby i think it's him who says at one point to judd nelson like you 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 lost like your dis like you can't make decisions since you got divorced and I was like wow fucking judgment just yeah. like kicking a man when he's down but like he I guess is drinking the days away and so he is sort of up of no use to anybody but of course he's the one they've got to call when the shit hits the fan so he can come in and try and solve this problem for them right and when he gets there. They like everybody just calls him doctor, and it's obvious that Christy Swanson's character, Shannon, is also a doctor, but they just call him doctor and they just call her Shannon, which yeah. felt like the exact kind of casual sexism I would expect from a situation like this. Yeah, I mean, I so we we both kind of agree that we loved Riker, that we, we yes. truly enjoyed Riker and everything he gets about him. better and better very, as he goes. He's just a wonderful, wonderful military character. Yes. Um, so, but yes, I, and even loving him, I fully believe that he would every single time call her Shannon. Yes. Um, yes. There's just no world in which she was getting the doctor title. That just wasn't going to happen. Who and she, which is too bad because. The doctors. Yeah. No, at any, they could have, they, he kept saying Dr. Bryce and Shannon. Yes. Like, and he could Shannon. not. He could not roll them both into doctors. And she had her <laughs> smart lady glasses on. She had her practical turtleneck. And she couldn't get a doctor title to save her life. It was really unfair. It was. Um, really but very believable, because that's sexism. Because that's sexism. That's and, just what it is. Um, there um, is uh, the first solution, obviously, because this is a disaster movie and we are America. Yes. The first solution presented to this is, well, we should nuke it. We should, what if we nuked the black hole? And here's where, you know, I, I only touched on this right before we started, but Judd Nelson's character says, you know, rightly, we shouldn't just nuke a, a land-bound black hole here on Earth. And his reasons, though, for why, if there is a nuclear physicist listening out there, um, he says that it could produce an effect. Well, it could either feed it more energy that, like, because black holes suck everything inside of them, like, including light. Nothing can get out. So it would either like suck the energy of the nuclear explosion, causing it to expand, or it would create an effect 
like kicking a soccer ball, where I guess essentially a black hole is capable of just pinballing around the Earth if you hit it with enough energy, or it said it would break into pieces, and he's like, it could create two or three or five black holes. I just don't buy that. I I was I, that did not make me stop once. <laughs> because once you get to the point of we have to nuke the black hole that is eating St. Louis. It's true. And also we have to nuke the energy monster that is attached to the black hole that is eating yeah. St. Louis. Yes. At that point, I was like I agreed about I was like yeah, you don't it's stupid to nuke it because you're basically putting a shit ton of energy directly onto the energy monster which will make the energy monster grow, which then will consequently make the black hole grow. So that side of the logic, I was like, no, that's stupid. Uh But the possible consequences, I was like, sure, why not? Maybe it'll make (laughs) the black hole do a dance. Who knows? There are no rules here. This is just (laughs) what it is. Like, I I can't say that it isn't possible. So therefore, it is possible. That's sort of (laughs) the way that I was operating. Because like... (coughs) If you're going to actually concern yourself with the rules of a black hole, like, yes, you know, then then we got to talk about the fact that, like, the black hole basically, again, moved across the land like a tornado and didn't suck anything up below it and didn't really, like, there was no bending of things as it got to Right. I am fine with, I am fine with the fact that the gravitational pull of the black hole can be escaped by a man clutching onto the sidewalk. Like, (laughs) yes. We're, the rules go out the window, so sure. You know what? Sometimes when you nuke a black hole, you just make more of them. Why yeah. not? But it turns it turns into a soccer ball. Sure. Right. And just, like, kick it to fucking New Hampshire or something. Yeah, it could happen. Like, we oh, no. It could it could totally make it happen where it just starts ping-ponging around. Why now, not? I didn't, I mean, I fully, I, I, didn't, I don't know why he was able to so quickly conjure up those ideas. Yeah. <laughs> As as someone who is not an astrophysicist, yes, um, I don't know why that was where he's like, oh, this is what we've, you know, why he immediately went to that. That was that's a bigger <laughs> question to me. Um, never once doing any of the maths, but sure. Now, I, I, the organism, the the predator, the predator, electric electricity predator, and the black hole are connected. Yes, and what we learn. Or what is the conjecture is that this organism might be traversing the universe, bouncing through various black holes. And it needs, in order to sort of like pierce space time, because the the proposition is that he is jumping through time and space through black holes. And the proposition is that if sort of space-time is weakened for some reason at a certain spot, that can allow the creature to punch through and emerge on the other side, which is what happened in the lab. This experiment with the, you know, with quantum physics has resulted in a black hole. Well, that created a big enough rip for the creature to get through. So it sort of piggybacked why this, I it, this just like went in and out of my brain. Why did we, why is it, did we learn the ener- the fate of the energy monster and the black hole are connected? Because what is surmised wow. by Judd Nelson is that if the monster and the black hole are joined, if you yeah. essentially throw the monster into the black hole, that's going to vaporize it. Why? 
I why? okay. So there were two things that happened. One, when he first gets there and he's like, I need to see all of your reports. Yes. And so he goes and looks back at other tests that they'd run, and she, Christy Swanson, and he keeps Biden, saying, pours over the data, looking through spreadsheets, and says, Judd Nelson says to himself, "Show yourself to me." That is his. Where are you, anomaly? So I can find what this is. Show yourself, Show yourself. to me. Except never with that much passion. Everything's at like a level four. Yeah. Every moment of that movie is a level four for Judd yeah. Nelson. Yes, continue, continue. So he's pouring um, over the data, yes. So he's pouring over the data, and then and Chris, and Chrissy Swanson keeps saying, like, I, I nothing was different, nothing was different. And he keeps right. seeing that nothing was different, but then he sees a little, like, spike right before it happened, and he thinks that's the energy monster, combined with the fact that every time the energy monster eats more energy, mm-hmm. the black hole grows. Right. So right. that's the correlation that they assess. Now, why does he think that throwing the energy monster back into the black hole will send them both to another part of the universe well that would just be disaster logic like that's one of those ones where we (laughs) just have to be like okay yeah that's the rule now like why what makes them think that dropping a nuke into it will cause it to (laughs) ping pong around the universe like well it's disaster logic (laughs) right it's just these are the rules this is what they said and it's because judd nelson fucking said so (laughs) that's it that's the best we got um a thing I didn't, a thing I thought they could have done, I really loved the energy monster. What I, I thought I, they... Oh, sorry, go. No, no, I was, what I thought they could have done more is because the energy monster is perpetually seeking more power. So yeah. it goes to power stations and transformers to feed off the supply. I thought there could have been more, I mean, you know, budget permitting, but I thought they could have done more with, like, electricity wreaking havoc on the city as it's being swallowed up because it mostly just seemed like there was lightning around the monster and it didn't actually do anything when it was draining these critical sources of like the grid's energy supply into its body thing. Yeah. It it was very much a passive sort of like leech sort of situation and not a, not a true predator in the, in the little P sense. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it would have been cool if it like could shoot more electric, like as it ate, it like shot electricity out. Yeah. Or if like, the final boss level for it was going to be that there was going toward the nuclear plant. And so they're like, we can't let it get to the nuclear plant because then that would have been, yeah, it was a very, again, it's a very passive sort of like, wait and see, watch it happen. (laughs) Um, Which is always just sort of like, Oh, that's, that's fine. But kind of a bummer. Um, I mean, I guess you can only throw a chair at a predator so many times. (laughs) I was just, you know, when you said the thing about how it traveled through space time and I just had this mental image of it showing up, like in the Renaissance times. Oh God, yeah, and yeah. being super disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> just like, whoop, that. Well, I better hop back in the black hole. Like, yeah, shit. Like it just travels around the galaxy, around the universe, looking for energy. It's like that's a real, that's a real hit or miss strategy. That's like the Sarlacc. <laughs> it's like the Sarlacc pit in Star yeah. Wars. It's like, well, okay, so once every thousand years, maybe somebody happens to fall into you, and then you have to digest <laughs> it for a thousand years. You get one. You get one person for a thousand years. That's a real hit and miss evolutionary tactic. <laughs> I I think it's very. I, I'm very glad that you pointed out that so much of this movie is driving, yeah. and that feels like that feels like something that happens a lot actually in the because obviously you need to chase the disaster too, but it feels yeah. like something that happens particularly in the lower budget movies where it's like you know what location we can have for cheap 
is a car. (laughs) (laughs) A nondescript white van. As a nondescript white van, we'll just put everyone in the car and have them talk. And there's, because, like, there's a point in this movie where they're driving around through a neighborhood. And I was also like, wait, I feel like we end up in a lot of neighborhoods in these budget movies too, because they can't be out driving on freeways. Like they're not shutting down the road. They don't have a follow car that's filming them. So they just have to drive down these really anodyne suburban neighborhoods (laughs) where I'm almost sure that nobody in these neighborhoods, besides like the extras who are pointing and looking, I'm sure in a lot of these drive-through points, People don't know that there's a car filming going by them. And it's just like Judd Nelson and Christy Swanson driving <laughs> through some neighborhood in character doing this movie. And in certain parts of that neighborhood where they didn't like have actual extras outside, you know, pointing at the energy monster, that they were just, it was like James Corden's fucking carpool karaoke. And, and nobody, <laughs> nobody knew. Like, it, and I, I remember that from. That absolutely happened in Fire Twister. Oh, that yeah. absolutely happens in the Kevin Stonados Fire Fingers movie. It yeah. happens in Stonados. Like, this is a very... Like, if you're in a car in a big-budget disaster movie, it means you're going to be outrunning something insane. Like, yeah. you're gonna, it's going to be Hurricane Heist. It's going to be Geostorm. Like, you're outrunning weather. And in these movies, it's just an exposition staging area. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a place for them to stay contained and to talk about what the, what they're looking at currently. <laughs> I really enjoyed so it, it, when the useless ex-wife Jennifer Quackenbush, <laughs> like who yeah. I I loved I loved Jennifer Quackenbush in this um, with what little she was given. Yeah, but uh, why we she didn't was the ex-wife of Judd Nelson's character who yeah. now has custody of their teenage daughter Kaylee. We didn't need any of that subplot. Like, that was just deeply unnecessary for the most part, particularly when at one point they're driving to try and find the black hole or trying to get they're trying to get to Soldier's Field, which is where all of the the military outpost has relocated to. They're trying to get there. And the ex-wife calls and is like, we're running out of gas. We can't get out of the city. We can't evacuate. I love that that was a plot point. It wasn't even like the traffic's really bad, which they do a job of emphasizing. They're just like... Oh, they're they've circled so long. They're running out of gas. Yeah, they're out of gas, and so he's like, "Where are you?" She gives a street location, and he says, "Pull over. I'll pick you up." And then he says to Christy Swanson, "It's on our way." It's on the way. They sheepish moment of it's. Oh, we're on the way. It's like, yeah, like well, okay. no one's gonna begrudge you, Jed Nelson, saving your teenage daughter and horrible ex-wife. <laughs> No one's never grudge you that. It would probably create more tension if it were like, it's not on the way. I know, but I have to save them. Like, right. nope, nope, nope. We're just going to grab, swing by, pick them up, get some pizza rolls at, like, yeah. at the Circle K. And they're going to keep going to Soldier Field. It was, it was almost worth it for me to have the horrible family for that moment alone. Yeah. Just because I was like, that's, that's such a nonsense thing. Oh, um, it- it it is the it is a it is like maybe to me the movie's perfect moment and it is it is the only moment like him picking up his ex and his daughter when because like you kind of you sense like maybe there were like somebody says something about um Judd and Christy early in the movie like oh like I think they were more than colleagues but you that, don't Riker get, says it Riker, Riker yeah. says 
just out of nowhere yeah says i think they might be a little more than friends because like i love that Riker is just like i'm just gonna sit here and idly gossip about these two people yeah. that i don't really know yes love that moment pouring over spreadsheets trying to solve the black mm-hmm. hole crisis and they have and, like, no sexual chemistry in that moment so it's not have- as if like Riker was picking up on something right they they have no tension in that way but because that's been incepted in you you're like oh did they like each other but they never admitted it well apparently they're a thing of some kind or they were a thing of some kind because when judd gets to jennifer quackenbush and his teenage daughter he's picking them up on the street and the ex sees christy swanson and goes you didn't tell me shannon was gonna be here (laughs) and it's like oh shit like i guess they were totally boning and also petty dig in the middle of the apocalypse jennifer quackenbush wow was she gonna say like no it's fine my daughter and i will stay here on the side of the road if like oh you've got jen who's in you we'll pick you up you're on the way who's in the car with you yeah like don't tell me shannon's with you i just i really enjoy that that line was thrown in there and also that yeah, that it was that there was a moment of like, what, what is this going to stop everything? Do we get to a little bit of like weird, petty infighting? And Shannon doesn't really respond to it. No. Shannon does not, it's no. as if it didn't happen at all, which yeah. I would have liked Shannon to at least have been like, it's good to see you too, Margo, or whatever her name is. <laughs> yeah. Something, but they, Shannon is like such a non character in this that <laughs> she's not allowed to have personality. She's just only allowed to have glasses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Well, when we, one of my, so like once they've, like the black hole and the creature have broke, I, I love the, I love the, the visual detail by, just by the way, that the electricity monster like skis along power cords. I thought that was yeah. very nice. Um, And I thought they actually did a good job with the visual of the black hole because working on a budget, like a movie, it would, a movie in this, in this caliber would have, it's not going to ever look right and like you're also inventing what a black hole looks like so the only time you see the black hole really is via news footage so it's kind of grainy and broken up and staticky and I thought that was a really good choice on the part of VFX to make it sort of like intentionally blurry grainy I was like oh this is working for me I like this yeah no it it, I think they did a really nothing felt everything felt pretty much as good as it can in this Right, like yeah. the electricity stuff all worked pretty well. Uh-huh. Right, the monster and the black hole all worked really well, and it was probably partly because it was something where it was like, well, we have no base to go off of this. But there exactly. was never, it never felt particularly rubbery. Even like toward the end, when Judd Nelson is trying to escape the black hole, yes, even the things flying by, it was it was working pretty well for me. You're right. It, yeah, and they gave us and they gave us a good amount. We always like it when they give us a good amount of disaster. Yes, and they and did. Really they gave us a, a lot of destruction. Of yeah, when, yeah. We, when there was a sense, it, it, similarly, with it was the same thing in Stonados, too. When we weren't immediately next to the, the disaster, everything seemed fine. Yeah. When, like, in this movie, when we're not watching the disaster, everything seems pretty much fine. But they gave us a good amount of it. Not necessarily yeah. fire twister levels of disaster, but no. they gave us a good amount of it. I mean, they did give us the St. Louis Arch being completely decimated. Yeah, that was good. That, that was, was good. good. That yeah. was, I mean, like, if you're gonna, you, there's, if you're gonna pick St. Louis, 
you don't have a whole lot when they the old bank building being destroyed I was like whoa too bad I don't know what that means <laughs> too bad but, but when the arch is destroyed that's a good one yeah that, and, no, they, and they did a nice job really drawing it out I was I was pleased with that choice on their part um I yeah I just hmm. okay so at the at the end when she kisses him so right it's okay the so they're doing that like last ditch effort where the first plan which we haven't even really talked about right the first plan did not work they were going to lure the monster using grenades percussion concussion oh yeah side note they learn when a car siren goes off that the creatures are sound sensitive and Judd Nelson's character speculates that maybe from wherever they're at in the universe, they're not used to frequencies like this. So they realize they can at least distract the monster with sound. So they think, oh, maybe we can corral this guy using extreme sound diversions into a shipping container. We're going to outfit with an electrical field that it will walk into because it wants the electricity and we will trap it inside and close the doors. And then we will just drop it into the black hole. That's the first plan. Yeah. Which I I was like, okay, sure. Why not a shipping container? We don't, why not? We don't necessarily know like how it works and, or how like what it can be contained by. And we've seen it travel through wires. It's not a Faraday cage. So was not a great plan, but and it did not work out well for anybody involved. All the soldiers um, were were eaten by or consumed by the energy monster. And it did um, end, it did end in spectacular fashion, at least because the energy monster gets onto the scheme, picks up the yeah. shipping container with its electricity, and just throws that fucker and breaks it. And it's like screw you guys, which I thought was a good end to that scene. So yeah, that's yeah. plan plan A, which does not work. Does not work. Um, military the. Riker is the command is taken over by Tate, who is super horny for nuclear weapons. Yeah. Um, and he just wants to drop a nuke on it. And um, so what ends up and then Riker ends up helping Christy Swanson and Judd Nelson um, pull off their second attempt at a plan, which is yeah. that they're going to rig up a truck with a bunch of electricity, have the ener- lure the energy monster onto said truck. Drive they're, said also gonna, truck. they're also going to shut down power stations. Yeah. So there is no like more attractive electricity draw and they're basically just gonna like turn on what how whatever the electricity generating thing is inside this truck they're gonna make it like the only thing that this creature can attach to to absorb more energy so it's gonna be like a bait it's gonna they're gonna hook it like a fish they're gonna do exactly what you do what i do whenever i'm trying to get a moth out of my apartment which is turn off all of my lights and open the door and hope it goes toward the lights (laughs) that's it that's the entire plan is they're gonna it is it was that sophisticated yes yeah so anyway, so Christy Swanson and Judd Nelson are going to drive this truck into the black hole, except that first Judd Nelson, when you know, they have the cute little moment of Christy Swanson being like, is this what you thought your day was what you were going to do when you woke up this morning? And his response is, no, I thought I was going to have a few more drinks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not said in a particularly charming, it's supposed to be sort of charming and self-effacing. Yeah, and like roguish, I don't know. But it's not delivered that way. It's just really pathetic. Yeah. And then she kisses him in the least passionate kiss on television. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a deep, it's like, it's such a deeply It happened, I was like, kiss. oh, so that's the direction... They're going to take it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, all right then. Okay. Yeah. And I just, I, when it, it was so, it was so bloodless. And also I was like, how is that the line that she's like, yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> 
it didn't like because at that point he's decided because they in their secret plan that's happening adjacent to the military brass they're on a clock because the president's about to address the nation and say i'm sorry everybody i'm about to drop a nuclear bomb on st louis and everybody's in agreement on that basically except for Riker, judd nelson and christy swanson and so Riker, amazingly, goes rogue, I think just as much to help Judd and Christy as to stick it to Tate and oh, be like, yeah. fuck you, dude. And there's this wonderful moment. It is perhaps second favorite moment in the movie after uh, Jennifer Quackenbush getting bitchy about her ex-husband's apparent girlfriend um, <laughs> when Tate uh, is, they're like clearing out their center of command because they're need to get out of the blast radius for the explosion. And so everything's kind of hectic and he looks at Riker and he's like, what does he say? Is there something going on here that I don't know about? And Riker just looks at him and goes, I don't know how that's possible, sir. You're the one in charge and <laughs> just dips out. And he's basically going to commandeer military personnel to go carry out this secret plan. And so then Christy and Judd are going to drive the truck into the center of the black hole, this electricity truck, I just, I'm just gonna call it that, which will at that point theoretically have the predator attached to the back of it because it's hungry for that juice. And they're gonna ride that motherfucker right into the middle of the black hole. Well, this kiss takes place right before like they're about to get in the truck. But what Christy doesn't know is that Judd's not letting her on that truck. He's gonna go on this basically suicide mission alone so this is his fucking exit line to her too. Like the kiss is passionless, but he's like, this is my moment. I know what I'm going to do. And she doesn't know. So I'm going to bring up my drinking problem <laughs> before I get in the cab of this truck, lock the doors and don't let her in. He yeah. knew. And he still said that there was, he could have, he could have had the moment where he's like, well, I didn't know it was going to be with you, but if this is how my day has to end, I'm glad it is like, yeah, that could have been, would have worked would have been that parting line that you could have sent her off with but instead she's gonna go the last things he said to me before he died was a description of how he was gonna have another three drinks yeah was how That's he was it. gonna get blacked out when he woke up this morning because he's depressed yeah it was it was not the uh the most romantic it was not the han solo i know moment that uh <laughs> he was maybe hoping it would be it is all it is all compounded by the fact too that Judd Nelson is wearing Judd Nelson glasses, like those little Just round the tiniest, glasses. He has. The tiniest glasses with the biggest hair. Yeah, the tiny glasses, the goatee, and the angriest hair. <laughs> <laughs> the angriest drunk man's hair. It was he had dark brown hair. In, in this <laughs> in this movie, he is also wearing a huge overcoat the entire time. Yeah. Like he's in a large trench coat for like this whole movie and I'm not saying that like wardrobe needed to be better but it was like that was an interesting detail that just like did Judd insist on that was that like that's a part of my character identity like why this big ass jacket the entire movie well the giant trench coat was to remind us that he was in breakfast club <laughs> that was it it was just to remind us of the of breakfast club that was that was the entire purpose yeah, the giant trench coat paired with the crazy, with like the dark brown hair was really just, it was the energy of um, Jeff Goldblum in <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that like, it was that crazy conspiracy theorist energy. Yeah. But contained within like the main character who we were supposed to believe was an authority. Yeah. So it was a real <laughs> dichotomy there to have yeah. like, oh, no, 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 no. He looks like a lunatic. However... 
But you're right. The glasses choices in this really made me very happy. But his his glasses choice, Christy Swanson's like Tina Fey glasses. Yeah, it was the glasses wardrobe. What, what wardrobe failed at the glasses wardrobe really made up for. Because <laughs> um, um, oh, she and- she definitely had like hot girl trying to look smart glasses, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, and uh, in her in her like now that now that they've kissed, um, you know now that it's all on the line and he's gonna sacrifice himself. Well, like, not, he doesn't necessarily have to sacrifice himself, but it's very low odds of survivability. So she decides, like, fuck it, I'm not getting on that helicopter and flying out of here with Riker. I refuse. I'm staying back in some small In the trailer. In the trailer, in, like, a communications trailer, and I'm going to guide Judd Nelson into the black hole, and I'm going to update him on when he is going to cross the point of no return AKA when he's about to cross the event horizon so he can rig the gas pedal down, keep sending the truck on a straight course into the uh, black hole and he can dive out before he crosses the threshold and gets sucked into the black hole with literally everything else. So that is their grand. I, I do have to interject with when he, when he's explaining like his theory about how they're going to get rid of the creature and the black hole simultaneously, you know, they're, he, he, I forget, I don't know, like, the proper name terminology of this theory, hypothetical, whatever it is. But it's, I like this moment because it is, it is an event horizon moment, as in the movie starring Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill that is amazing sci-fi horror. Um, He starts explaining that, like, ah, in fact, the shortest distance between two points is not a straight line, but it is a single point. That is the shortest distance, is a single point. And so he does the thing where he takes a piece of paper, which is exactly what Sam Neill does when he's explaining his gravity drive technology in the movie Event Horizon. He picks the piece of paper and he says, like, he, he tells, tells the military guy, he's like, like, suppose this is a universal plane and it's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And he's like, you know, and here's one point and here's us. Well, we could go from here to here and this would take a long time. Or, and then he's like, or, but if you fold the paper in half, like effectively folding space time, that's what we're going to do here and we're going to we're going to fold the paper in half basically by combining the monster and the black hole and they're going to drop into another point in the universe together because I'm going to merge them. Yeah. That, so that is the that is the goal. Yeah. I mean, again. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not yeah. bend space? We can bend space time with with electricity monsters. Sure. Um, it was, it was a hundred percent like whenever, when they tried to science that part out, I was just like, "Eh, okay, we'll go with it. Yeah. I, I I, I have no, I have no qualms with this whole concept. Um, again, I think it's a very, it's, it's a poor, it's a poorly designed evolutionary monster. Yes. But as a, as a solution. Yeah, sure. Let's drop the thing in the other thing and see if it makes it go away. I, I do appreciate that. I think it is Tate at one point or it's somebody with like Homeland Security like describes this pros- procedure. He's like, so we'll pop the monster back in the hole. It's like, yes, we're <laughs> just going to pop it back in the hole. Yeah. Um, I did like, like super... putting the donut hole back into the donut. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, it felt really right that everybody in this movie kept saying nuclear. Oh yeah. That, well, and, yeah, that, that was message. We were having that conversation around 2001 about whether it was nuclear or nu- nuclear, though, because Bush was always saying nuclear. Well, so I feel like, I was like, yeah, I didn't think that the president was Bush. The president was sort of a generic president. I did like that his advisor was straight up Karl Rove. Yeah. Like, in terms of physical casting, it was <coughs> Karl Rove. In, yeah. Oh, not, not 2001, 2006. Sorry, I was thinking 2001, like Fast and the Furious, which I've just been watching. 
but this was 2006. And so it was very much like, oh, that's just straight up Carl Rove. Um, so does that take us to what this was really about? Uh, yeah, I will, I will just tie it up by saying that, uh, the truck gambit does work. Oh yeah. It does. Uh, they, true. they, they catch the, uh, energy predator on the hook and he affixes himself to the truck, causing no damage or complication to the vehicle while it's driving. Christy Swanson, uh, guides him and lets him know yep. you're, you're, you're going to cross the threshold. It's too late. Judd puts a fire extinguisher on the gas pedal of the truck, sends it into the black hole. He jumps out, manages miraculously to not be hit by a single piece of debris flying at him, being sucked into the black hole behind him. As he just, like, scratches at the ground and somehow held with his his laser tips. Yeah, just just crawling across the pavement, trying to escape the, the... trying to get his own terminal velocity up to leave the threshold of the, the black hole to not go past the event horizon. And then when the monster gets popped back into the hole, there is, I guess, an explosion that creates a, like a diameter, a huge explosive halo around all of St. Louis that Judd Nelson somehow escapes completely un, unharmed, unmust even, his clothes are even intact. Uh, this great. That's why he wore that big. That's why he wore that jacket. You're right. It was it was electricity it was protective. protective nuclear radiation proof, and he is reunited at the end with his daughter and Shannon, and it's a happily ever after. Yeah, and then and he sends when when his daughter comes and sees him after he hugs her, he then says, "Go say hi to Shannon," and I was like, <laughs> well, "That's awkward." That that teenage <laughs> daughter definitely resents Shannon. Like, let's be clear on this issue. That teenage daughter has never once liked Shannon because his mother, her mother, who once said when she asks in the car, why do you hate dad? The mother says, you'll understand when you're older. And I was like, that seems like a very, like, you'll understand when you're divorced. You'll understand when I explain to you about what that bitch Shannon did to our marriage. Like, where are we going with here? You'll understand when Quackenbush cheats on you. (laughs) It seems very specific, Jennifer Quackenbush. Let's be real. Fortunately, the daughter has the perfect answer in that where she goes, you and dad keep saying that to me. <laughs> like, that's a perfect teen response. Oh, and also shouts out to the one moment of, like, intentional levity in this movie when Christy Swanson and Judd Nelson have to get back and have to get in a van and drive somewhere. And he uh, he's about to, like, throw a rock through the window to break the window. <laughs> and he just opens it by pulling on the handle. And she's just yeah. like... Sometimes it's the simple solution and just like shakes her head at him. Then he gets in the car and I think he's going to like try and like hotwire it or something. Hotwire it, yeah. Yeah, He just hands him keys and shakes shakes her head. It was like, yeah, okay. Like, I'm glad we're having fun now. Yeah. I I did also, I I liked that like essentially he was in his own disaster movie and she was like, hold up, buddy. We're in reality. And in reality, if someone unlocks, leaves their car, unlocks the keys are probably in them. Yeah. And and, and we start cars with keys here. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now, what do you think the black hole was really about? I think that the black hole was really about the dangers of codependency. Mm, okay. Um, whether it was the codependency between the energy monster and the black hole. Okay. Which you have to put one into the other to destroy it. Uh huh. Um, you've got Judd Nelson's codependency on the bottle. again yes Yes. again you have to put one to the other and it destroys it Uh uh-huh you have his relationship with shannon you put one (laughs) to the other and it destroys it (laughs) 
Um, or even Tate and the nukes, who just was really horny for nukes. And we don't know that that's not his solution to everything is let's nuke it. Right. How I have to assume that is. He had to be talked back from that yeah. by like the Joint Chiefs. Exactly. I think that this is an ongoing, like he's, he's known for the fact that he's always like, okay, but what if we just try nukes this time? Yeah. Um, in general. Yeah. I, I think that this is a movie about how dangerous codependency can be and how widespread it is that <laughs> it can find you in any number of ways. And it can really harm your career, your life, your, your national monuments. It even. is, pro- it is prolific. Codependency. Yeah. So yeah, I would go, I, I, that's what I'm going with for this one. Jordan, how about you? I, I think this is sneakily, mm. sneakily in, like, evangelical propaganda movie. What? I think this movie has, like, some real, like, faith-based undertones. And I'm heavily influenced in saying that by uh, the presence of Christy Swanson, who, okay. despite being, I'll say it, I'll come clean. I'll come clean right now on the record, which I don't normally do about this very specific topic. I am an open book. Basically every way I will tell you literally anything about myself. I don't go public often by saying that Christy Swanson is my one true Buffy the Vampire Slayer because A, the show is so beloved and I understand what Sarah Michelle uh, Geller as Buffy means to a lot of people. And it's not about disrespecting Sarah Michelle Geller. It's about just knowing in my bones that the version of that character that existed in the movie starring Luke Perry and David Arquette and Hilary Swank and a baby Ben Affleck and Chrissy Swanson is the definitive interpretation of this character. Okay. But now that she is a hardcore MAGA type, that's, it's not something I like to say. Yeah. I don't like to give a lot of shine to that, but it's my truth. I know. Part of that, part of that MAGA life uh, I think it's like, you know, un, you know, family, faith, hashtag, those sorts of things. Blessed. And there are, there are two moments in this movie. There's one in news broadcast where it's like, it could be said for gravitas. Oh. Where like the black hole's about to consume fucking St. Louis and like we're running out of options. What are we going to do? And the anchor says like, there, there's nothing left to do but pray. Right. And I was like, okay. All right, I'm getting a twinge of something, but I might let it go. I might let it go, but it stayed in my head. And then Mm -hmm. toward the end, when it's Tate and Riker in the helicopter together, and they're like having their pissing contest because Tate realized that Riker pulled one over on him and is totally going to save the world despite, you know, not being the superior officer in charge there. Um, Or no, no, this is when Riker, sorry, this is a different one. This is Riker and um, Chrissy Swanson are in, Riker and Shannon are in a helicopter together and I think they're going to like the energy monster truck where they're, they're, they're gonna like enact their, their secret plan. And Chrissy Swanson is like really scared for Judd Nelson. She's sure he's gonna, you know, die suddenly and that he's not gonna make it back out. You know, he's gonna get sucked in past the event horizon. And Riker says to her, he's like, he he says either like, you need to have faith or what happened to that faith of yours? Yeah. And then he says, don't never lose that. And I was like, okay, wait, is this faith in Dr. Judd Nelson? Or is this faith in the almighty above that we're circling back to from that little nod with the anchor telling us about the power of prayer and how it's the only thing we've got left. And I was like, are you trying to sling to me right now? Some like 
focus on the family values voters mess in the middle of the black hole. So to me, this movie is sneakily about uh, turning yourself over, uh, giving, going on your walk with Christ and the necessity of accepting Jesus in your heart and how he is son of the one true God. And you need to seek salvation to wow. save. I think, I think that's what this movie is quietly about. And I see you. I see you, black hole. I see you. All right. I've wow. really learned a lot on this episode. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like Amanda normally goes the like, I normally go the theological route, but I didn't feel there was too much God in this one, but I do like those points. I, I think that that's a solid one. Also, like, the way that the president is, like, what we should take from this is we all need to make amends with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I that, yeah. So as soon as you said that, that was what I first thought of was, like, oh, yep. interesting. The president, like, basically preaching forgiveness and, like, opening back up to your neighbors and reaching out to them and all that and, like, forgiving and loving the people around you. Like, so that, I could definitely it, see man. it. That's some... That's some of evangelical shit right there. I'm on. I'm on that. Okay. Yep. 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 Cool. All right. So fantasy Fantasy casting. casting. What's it going to be? Do you want to go? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm only going to do the two. Okay. I'm only going to do the two uh, leads. Uh, I, you know, I feel like in my version of this movie, Jennifer Quackenbush gets a little bit more to work with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I loved her, her, her fuck you Shannon line deliveries. Um, I'm going to go with, for Judd Nelson's character, excuse me, for Dr. Eric, um, I'm going to go with Gabriel Mocked. Okay. I'm going to go with Suits Star. Gabriel Mocked. And I kind of want his chiseled jaw. I want his, like, broad-shouldered frame. Mm -hmm. I, I want his, like, because once he kicks into his mode, like, as we know from Suits, he does smarmy. Yeah. Like, this guy in the room so well. Well, he starts the beginning of the movie a little disheveled, but then he gets called in for a catastrophe, puts on that aftershave, he heads in, he's got his swagger, science swagger back. And for Shannon Muir, Dr. Shannon Muir, I am going to go with Priyanka Chopra. Ah, love it. And I think that is a hot couple I could get down with. Yeah. No, that's, I, that's, that's going to have tension. Yeah, that's a flirtation I want to see. So yeah. it's Gabriel Mocked, Priyanka Chopra. All right. So, um... Sel- I, David Selby is Riker. Yeah. No, David Selby was, was delightful. I am going to write him out of this one for me, but I'll give him <laughs> casting. I'm going to cast him in something else. I really liked him. But, um, so this is embarrassing because it wasn't until you brought up um, your favorite that she is your favorite Buffy that I remember. I have why. the poster in my room. I have a. I know you do. You love it. Original yeah. Buffy, the original Buffy, which she is in my room. Yeah. So I want to say that I was being clever when I thought of this casting, <laughs> but I wasn't. What I was thinking was, who are two actors from the '90s who would give us a similar like, oh hey them vibe? They haven't been working much. I am and, curious to hear what you're about to say. And I gender flipped it. Okay, okay. So now Dr. Shannon is the main character, the disgraced scientist. Oh, okay. And Eric is the, like, still working 
pining for her. Okay. Uh, got rid of the, I, I'm getting rid of the wife, the ex-wife entirely, because I, I think yeah. that we need more, we need more time to focus on what went wrong in their relationship and why they aren't together. Oh, okay. okay. And build that tension and that relationship. Yeah. So I'm just going to get rid of the whole, like, the, the whole daughter and ex-wife thing. Um, but yeah, I wanted an actress who really hasn't been working that much and an actor who really hasn't been working that much. So I went, um, Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh shit. Shut <laughs> up. No way. I went Sarah wow. Michelle Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. Wow, working <laughs> together. They never do that. What an exciting situation. Not since Scooby Doo. Wow. They have not since Scooby Doo. And I put the two of them together. Without putting together the thought that I was casting the net, the other Buffy the Vampire wow. Slayer. Of all the, the of all the goddamn podcasts oh, to God. bring up Sarah Michelle Geller, the Christy Swanson one that we have done. Wow. Yeah. Dueling Buffies. I didn't I did not think God of that. And I'm damn. really, really embarrassed. And it wasn't until you, you brought up the fact that she was Buffy that I was like, oh right, she was Buffy. That's why I know Christy Swanson. I suppose just like amorphous late 80s early 90s figure shout out um, friend of the show sarah who uh is is i guess i'm going to expose her right now and say she's one of the few people i know who sees eye to eye with me on this buffy situation you know what i i have you're out in the open now i have no feelings either way so sure um i know that <laughs> i know that this is a, a hot topic for people i have no necessarily like affinity either way they're all fine um <laughs> They're all fine. They're all fine. Like, they all serve a purpose. Buffies are fine. (laughs) They're fine. It's like, I'm not going to, there's like picking different kinds of candy. Like, I'm not going to (laughs) say that one is better than the other. Like, as Uh long as you're not handing me circus peanuts, we're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I am, however, going to cast William Russ as Riker in this. William Russ played uh, Corey's dad on Boy Meets World. Yeah. Makes total sense. No, and then um, I'm gonna repurpose Jennifer Quackenbush and make her Tate, the one who's horny for nukes. Oh wow! And I want her to go head to head with William Russ and have a little bit of like a power thing going. (laughs) So yeah, if I were to put if I were to put a different Riker in there, it would have to be an Ernie Hudstans moment. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm keeping David Selby, but spiritually. Wait, I feel like we're Ernie very Hudson. close, by the way. I feel like we're very close to being able to say friend of the pod, Ernie Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> I really think they were closing in on that, you guys. He, Jordan, he liked your, po- your tweet. I did see that, where I remarked upon a photo of him from the red carpet of Congo in the 90s, and I said, I'm breathless. So yeah, he, and he, he liked it. He did do that. So almost, I think we're closing in. friend of the pod, Ernie Hudson. <laughs> All, All right. right. So the infernos. You know, it's it's a glass half full three for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's it, it. I watched it first for the first time. Probably I want to say in like 2010, 2011. Uh huh. And I've watched it again since now. And it's not great. It's not bad. Uh huh. It's it's like a little, okay, maybe not three. Uh, two point seven five. You know what I. The quarter measure had not occurred to me, so I'm gonna. But like you saying that, that feels exactly right because two yeah. and a half doesn't feel like enough. Three feels three does feel a little bit generous. Yeah. And this movie did look good. This movie looked really good for what it was. Um, it felt longer than it needed to. I remember at the halfway point, I was like, "How are we fucking halfway for a movie yeah. that started <laughs> so quickly?" 
so yeah, I feel good about I uh, I I say with all with respect, I say two point seven five. I'm not yeah. like a ooh, two point seven five. I'm like I don't know, two point seven five. Yeah, it, it exceeded what it it could have gone with. This yeah. is this is like if I j- would decided that I was going to compete in gymnastics at the Olympics, <laughs> and I got like a four. We'd all be like, well, you know what? Actually, a four is pretty good, Amanda. Good you job. got a four in Tokyo 2021 now? Yeah. That would be pretty goddamn amazing. So, same thing. This is like a 2.75 out of five. Right. A four out of ten. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And, so Jordan, and, and Jason, did you get a chance to watch this one, or, or have you been doing things? <sighs> I unfortunately didn't. I, <laughs> I'm i such a failure, guys. I'm just... No, that is it's okay. It's fine. That is I, okay. I just hope you take this conversation, and if you have not yet, that you treat yourself to Buffy oh, starring Steve Swanson. Yeah, I think that is sort of the lesson of today's episode is to watch the <laughs> Buffy movie. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. TV Giles is totally inferior to Donald Sutherland as a Slayer trainer. Whoa. Like, Sorry, Donald I just had a, I had a lengthy argument with uh, with Dean about whether or not Giles was in love with Buffy by uh, season four. Of course he is. Thank you. See, thank you. Of Giles is totally in love with Buffy. He was not. He was like, no, he's a father figure, and I was like, he's a father figure who's platonically in love with her. Who's got like yeah. not platonically, but like a courtly love sort of thing. There's no sexual desire. But right. it's like. Think, Jason, are you shaking your head because you don't agree with us or because you like, obviously that's the case? Oh man, I mean, you know, I'm just like, for me <laughs> with Giles, like I'm, I just, you know, Giles is so, uh, you know, like, uh. What? <laughs> That Giles. wasn't a sentence. What, you know, what it's like it, saying it, that Giles is no Donald Sutherland. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like okay. who is you know if you're thinking about Giles and obviously like you know the others like uh, <laughs> the other Slayer trainers, all the other yeah like and i mean the different buffies jason is jason hasn't watched any of the things what (laughs) no that's what we're learning from jason you know what as long as as long as buffy is gonna show up on this pod i do have to say um we deserved overtly bisexual faith uh played by eliza dushku and that is that's that's me putting that on the record as well in this pod i'm really making it personal this week (laughs) i mean yes I agree with that. I think it was. <laughs> I, I mean, think we were just yeah. we were just shy of overtly bisexual faith. <laughs> I I know no I know like, we were we were just like a razor a razor's edge of bisexual faith. I know, too. which is why you know what fall on the other side of that goddamn razor's edge. I am so They're grateful not... that Joss Whedon didn't try to tackle bisexuality in that way. But okay, and you know what we're diverging here. But it's the <laughs> this is now a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. The thing is, though, here's why I have a bigger problem with the way that it played out. Because instead, because he has been like asked when he was asked about like chemistry between Faith and Buffy, he at least at a certain point played it off as like, "What really? Faith's into Buffy? Like, no." It was like this thing that he was surprised by when it was like, "Dude." If you want your two lady supers to top each other, that's not like a that's not like a niche fantasy. Like that's what <laughs> fan fiction is for. Don't sit here straight dude and act like it's crazy that you would want these two fantasy superheroes to be sweet on each other because no shit man, you're a nerd <laughs> boy. Like what yeah. the hell? That isn't something that's like, I that never would have occurred to me. People yeah. feel that way. Like, yeah. be in touch with your fetish and own it, but don't get like 
fucking obtuse about it. I mean, come on. And yeah. there was not one line of dialogue delivered by Faith in the direction of Buffy in that show. Oh, there no, was that wasn't, in, like, oh, just, just soaking with sexuality. Soaking. It was yeah. overt flirtation. Yeah. And it was no. like, fuck you guys. <laughs> it was, it was, also, it was. We were robbed of a whole 2000s of thriving bisexual fi- fictional characters by Eliza Dushku on screen. As far as I'm concerned, every Eliza Dushku character is canonically bisexual. Um, but that, that's a story for a different podcast. I, I was going to say, like, I feel like we were going real far afield here. No, I'm, I'm willing so I'm to, I'm going to rein us back in. No, I'm willing um, to, and but you know what, what I think we're going to spare in the name of COVID-19. In the okay. name of our new world, yes. taking it a little afield. It, it, it yes. can't leave our house. Should Jordan? <laughs> this is. <laughs> hey Jordan, you know where we are going to go though? Next week we're going to go. Where are we going, Amanda? We're going to Krakatoa, east of Java. For that the movie, is- Krakatoa, east of Java. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and tell the fans what the movie's name is, Amanda. Krakatoa, east of Java. You heard it right, folks. Three times. So you guys can watch that on Tubi. It'll be free to watch on Tubi, our favorite um, stream free streaming service. Tubi or not Tubi. Tubi rules. Tubi rules so hard. There's so many things <laughs> that I've come across now that I'm like, that's terrible. I want to watch that. It's so full of bad good. I love you it know, so much. You know what's on Tubi? You know what's on Tubi, Amanda? What? Soul Survivors starring Eliza Dushku from the movie from the year 2001. What? Playing also a bisexual character. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> well, when we make a Patreon, we can deep dive all of Eliza Dushku's bisexual movies. <laughs> yeah. Also, we'll if the on. if the we'll head of marketing. Oh yeah, bring it bring it on! Is that is she's not even bisexual on that? Let's do that. <laughs> that is that is a movie, and that movie is as much a love story about two women embodying their love through the art of cheerleading as yeah. as Fast and Furious. I have learned is about two men yep. who can't express their love except through cars. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's true. All I just, right. um, I, I just do want to say really quick, if, uh, yes. if the head of marketing for Tubi is listening, um, I'd like them to put their <laughs> contact information more readily available on the internet, but also uh, reach out. Yeah. Shout out Tubi. Um, so Jason, do we have any, I think we have one new review, actually. Oh, you know what? I'm uh, almost positive we do. And I'm just sort of going to vamp here for like two seconds while I look it up because um, I wasn't prepared like I normally am for this part of the show. But thankfully, it's very quick and easy to access. So as long as I just have like two or three <laughs> sentences to speak real quick while I pull it up. Uh, this review is from Miley Cyrus. That's how oh, it's spelled. Okay. I mean, which is how probably how Miley spells her name when allowed to spell it. It is. This is a five-star review titled, Whoa! Uh, All right. If you want to survive a disaster, this is the pod for you! Exclamation point. Thank you, Miley. Oh, You're thanks, correct. Miley. We are the Miley pod to survive it. Right. Miley is yeah. absolutely right. Man. Thank you. Thank you, Miley. We hope that wherever you're quarantining, you're quarantining yeah. with a lot of weed. Wherever yes. you are, it's a party in the USA. I do know every lyric to that song just in case anyone was wondering thank god as you should (laughs) it's it's our national anthem who doesn't (laughs) yeah exactly in times like these I hope so where do we find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at jorcru j-o-r-c-r-u 
tweeting about all kinds of pandemic-related content that we're producing over at Vulture.com. There's some yeah. uh, some quality Birds of Prey content that uh, yeah, Jordan was a part of this of week. I'm totally plugging my Birds of Prey content right now. Look Please for my it. interview with Kathy Yan about the one-shot Molly party scene at the beginning of Birds of Prey. It's very fucking good. It's a good. really good article. It's a really good interview. Um, you, I, oh, you can find me. I am at Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs. I uh, have nothing going on at the moment. So <laughs> all I'm doing is just sitting around and obsessively tweeting. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> and... Uh, Jason, how about you? Uh, people can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Halftones. Uh, later this week, I'll be posting uh, the first page of a new uh, comic I'm doing over on Instagram. Hey, hey. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, That's it's a fun really time. cool. Yeah. You can find the podcast. We're disaster, uh, yeah, disaster underscore pod on Twitter. Um, we are disastergirlspod at gmail.com. We're disastergirls on Letterboxd. Uh, email us, tweet us, please share us with your friends. Talk about us on Twitter. Talk with us on Twitter. A lot of my day is spent really bored um, going through our Twitter account and just randomly telling people to watch us All or right. listen to us. Yeah, so come come talk to us. And uh, please rate and review. Give us five stars. And we'll see you back next week for Krakatoa East of Java. Hello. Can't promise yeah. I won't bring up Eliza Dushku again. We'll, <laughs> we'll, give you, we'll, give you a, we'll give you a little like private module of that, like five minutes at the beginning <laughs> for Jordan to talk about Eliza Dushku. <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. Be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands, guys. Don't touch yep. your face. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>